The key thing is don't be inhaling, don't be ingesting. Stay inside, don't drink or eat anything. These are important questions. I understand that. Highest moment the last eight years. Hmm. Highest moment the last eight years. Well, I think the, the most important, the most compelling was uh, was 9-11 itself. Welcome to the special live edition of Truth Jihad Radio. I'm Kevin Barrett, waging the all-out struggle for truth. Right here on Revolution.Radio, the greatest of all free speech networks. It deserves your support. And I suppose I deserve some support, too, by way of TruthJihad.com. You can subscribe at Substack. Just go to TruthJihad.com, click on the Substack button, and support this kind of radio. Well, we have a great show coming up tonight, folks. Kind of bookending the history of False Flag Weekly News. In the second hour, the original False Flag Weekly News superstar guest commentator... Well, he wasn't a guest. He was a regular. Jim Fetzer comes on to discuss the ontological and epistemological reality of the COVID-19 virus and the illness it creates. Jim Fetzer uh, questions <laughs> reality in many ways. And he's been a COVID skeptic from the get-go, but that he came down with it. And I got a call from Rolf Lindgren a while back. It's Jim's in the hospital. So I checked in with him and uh, he's uh, he's back home and pretty much nearly fully recovered now. So we're going to compare notes. I actually caught the darn thing myself uh, close to the same time. That'll be an interesting second hour. And in the first hour, today's False Flag Weekly News superstar guest commentator, or one of them anyway, Kat McGuire, who uh, does a fantastic job on that weekly news show, False Flag Weekly News, and she's doing a terrific job also organizing the New York City Worldwide Freedom Rally coming up tomorrow. Not just in New York City, but lots of other places, too. So let's talk about it. Hey, welcome, Kat. How are you? Hey, Kevin. I'm doing really good. Very excited. We were just in Times Square getting everything uh, laid out for tomorrow. Cool. Wow. Times Square. I mean, that's, you know, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Uh, this, this is really exciting. So tell us about it. Well, um, this is the fourth Worldwide Freedom Day. Um, the first one was March 20th. There was one in, um, April, May, excuse me, in, in July. So this is our fourth and about 180 countries, sorry, 180 cities around the world are going to be participating. So it's really exciting. And New York has done all three and we're ready to do our fourth. And, um, what we're going to have is, um, because New York is a unique cultural capital in the world. We have plenty of uh, singers and dancers, rappers, and right there in Times Square, that's where Broadway is, that's the theater district. And the reason um, we're kind of highlighting that is because all of these artists are being told they have to get vaccinated if they want to be able to... Uh, go back into the studio, go back into the theaters. So this is part of right on their turf saying, no, we will not comply. Wow. That's pretty crazy. Vaccinating all the artists. And if they don't, then that's it. They'll never work in this town again. Uh, you know, they're going to have to create a new sort of salon de refusé, like the impressionist painters did back when the doyens 
of the art world in Paris didn't recognize any of those people and wouldn't let them in to the big exhibition, they just went and had their own exhibition. So I guess maybe Broadway is going to have to move over. And, and I guess there already is an off-Broadway. But no, this is completely crazy. Uh, you know, they, obviously there has to be a lot of uh, pushback here. Do you have any actual sort of artists or uh, actors or anybody like that who's willing to kind of come forward and be featured as a, a mandate resistor? Big names in lights? No, we do not. Um, our My co-producer for this event, Heather Berman, um, she's done a really good job. She used to be a former uh, Rockette. Um, so she has a lot of connections and nobody would come forward. So I could name names, but people I had never even heard of. In terms of um, big names for our event, in terms of speakers, we have Dr. Larry Palevsky, who's going to be speaking live. And he's been very involved in um, um, all kinds of COVID activities. Um, Kevin Jenkins is um, also fairly well-known. He's one of the so-called dissident dozen, the 12 people who are most spreading misinformation. So we um, are honored to have a dissident um, among us. Well, wait wait a minute. Is, and, he, is he on that same list yes. of super spreaders that I'm on, the Atlantic Council Associated Press list? I don't think that one. He's on the one that um, uh, Dr. Joe uh, Mercola is on. Okay. Yeah. He, I think I, don't I can't remember that. if Mercola's on the list I'm on. It's hard to keep track of all of these uh, super spreader lists these days, even the ones you're on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Exactly. I don't think you're on that 12. Dis- they call them the dissident dozen. Oh, yeah. Um, dissident dozen? Really? That's actually kind of a complimentary yeah. term. I'm surprised they chose that. Oh, exactly. I, I would be proud. Um, and so he's going to come and show us exactly what uh, dissidence looks like. And he's a dynamic speaker, Kevin Jenkins. He's with um, the um, Urban uh, Global Health Alliance. And then we um, we have a wonderful um, pre-recorded rousing message from David Icke. So wow. Well, he, he's, a, he's a superstar. He is. He's not going to be there in person, but he pre-recorded a special message just for our event. And he opens it up. Hello, New York. And it's really good. I've listened to David I quite a bit. And um, this one was really, really good. It's like, yes. And in the end, he's just kind of freedom, freedom. And that's so exciting for us because a lot of our chants are around freedom itself. So we're actually doing a march to start. We're going to be at Columbus Circle and we're going to have music there and just gather people together. And then we'll march to Times Square. And at 42nd Street, we come in and we have a whole pedestrian plaza. And we've got, um, we've got like nut mics and, um, a video um, screen, and it, it's really going to be exciting. Who knows how many people will show up, but it's a big plaza, and you have the whole dynamic Times Square as our backdrop for our speakers. So we're ready to go. We did a dry run today, and um, we're all psyched up. Well, one of the really cool things about this kind of demonstration is that it actually has a little extra juice, a little extra energy compared to your average demonstration in the USA and the West. They, you know, the authorities have managed to take the air out of the sales of dissidents by making, you know, setting things up so that 
it doesn't really matter what you say, right? I mean, nothing, nothing really is going to happen. It's not really that taboo to go out and, you know, protest and say, oh, Black Lives Matter, this, or I guess it's taboo to, to break into the Capitol <laughs> and, and try to uh, change election results now. But, but before that, um, you know, demonstrating, you know, especially if you remain peaceful is it, the way they deal with it is really by not paying any attention to it. So it doesn't really have the same transgressive edge that demonstrating has in countries where you're not allowed to do it. And even back in the Vietnam era, when you could get your head cracked by the cops, you know, there, there was a real strong sort of pushback, but now with, uh, with mandates and vaccine passports and lockdowns and masking orders and all of this kind of repression around the COVID phenomenon, it's suddenly basically illegal to just go out and hang out with people in public and get closer than six feet to them and, uh, and, and maybe not wear a mask. And, you know, it's, it's, it's transgressive just getting out there. And, and that kind of transgress, if it's transgressive to just hang out with a bunch of people in person and sort of celebrate something and deliver a message, you know, that it tells us we've really, you know, come to a strange place in our history. Uh, but, but I think, I think that it's, it's going to be high energy because of this, just, just by going out there, people are breaking through the wall of fear in making a statement. Well, we're picking up more and more steam as these mandates um, are kicking in. On September 13th, de Blasio said all 300,000 municipal workers and all students have to be vaccinated. So a lot of people came out. We had a huge rally on that Monday, uh, September 13th, which was de Blasio's official day. Del Bigtree spoke and brought the house down. It was really exciting, and a lot of people showed up. It was uh, sponsored, co-sponsored by um, uh, uh, Teachers for Choice, which is an alternative teachers union, um, and um, Children's Health Defense. We're just grassroots activists, but we feel that the momentum has picked up quite a bit and uh, this is all on a shoestring. We're just pulling it together. But we think in Times Square, uh, David Icke's getting people out and um, we will have a very big crowd. Um, and I also feel fortunate that with all of these mandates where you can't go into restaurants, it's still warm. So they have outdoors. The restaurants don't have to do this. Everybody is just bullied. So I feel fortunate that we are still being able to have rallies, unlike in uh, countries like Australia, which are in utter lockdown. You can't even really go outside. So and who knows if that's where this is going. So we're just really taking advantage of our ability to have free speech out in the streets. Well, that's true. Everything I said about it being taboo and transgressive to just get out in the streets and have a demonstration goes uh, double or more than double for Australia. But they did actually have a pretty big worldwide rally for freedom in Australia. What was that, about a month ago? And it all hell broke loose. Uh, the authorities went completely berserk and attacking the people responsible for it. And, uh, do you remember that? Um, I do. I do. They've just gotten so authoritarian there. New Zealand, the Five Eyes countries, Canada is bonkers. And of course, UK is, too. I feel like actually the United States of the Five Eyes is really one of the more free countries. And here in New York, which is almost totally uh, it's blue, it's it's almost completely uh, bought into all this. The repression has not quite uh, t um tumbled into being able to have public rallies 
we can still do that. But a lot of places are shutting off now with the impetus of the schools and the municipal workers. But there's a lot of people who are speaking out, um, who are saying no, and we're picking up more and more numbers every day. It's not like France. I was hoping on the 13th in New York, it would be like Paris. And people are like, no way. But um, no, there wasn't that massive uprising. It's it's sort of a slow boil, I guess. But people are, um, our numbers are much bigger now than they were back in March. So how about the the way that the political divide in this country has affected the freedom movement and, and this issue of mandates and passports and such? It's something I never would have imagined it would happen this way 20, 30 years ago, that the Republican Party has jumped over to that side and the Democrats are very authoritarian on this. And interestingly, your worldwide rally for freedom tomorrow is happening the same day, I believe, as a big D.C. rally to free the January 6th political prisoners, they call it. Is there a connection between these events or did they just happen to take place on the same day? They just happened to take place on the same day because that group um, has that uh, they had their permit long before the worldwide uh, rally for freedom at um, the international level set the date for September 18th. So it's a total coincidence. But um, many of us are in alignment with them. First, they came for the um, January 6th protesters, then they're going to come for us. So we have to support them um, because uh, one by one, they're trying to pick us off. Um, I believe that um, next up, they, they already have their narrative intact that the Capitol protesters are right-wing um, extremists, terrorists. That's a pretty solid airtight narrative that they're using now. But they want to enlarge um, their uh, target audience, uh, the more terrorists, the better for them. They can uh, exert more control if they show greater uh, problem in the country. So who would possibly be up next for them to put in their crosshairs? Well, more than likely, it's those people who are protesting mass lockdowns, uh, passports, mandates, and even the vaccine itself. And that is our um, health freedom movement. So, uh, yeah, we're in their crosshairs and we just haven't had our January 6th moment. They haven't induced that January 6th moment yet, nor a Charlottesville yet. And I, I don't like to language it that way. But if you can just do the math, you can see they're gunning for it. So, um we just have to we just have to keep standing up. Who knows what they're going to do? Well, it's kind of strange how it used to be that the scary, scary terrorists in the demonstration were the people wearing the masks. That is, people with V for Vendetta masks or these black masks that anarchists of the black bloc use to hide their identity so they can destroy things and burn things. But now it's the people without the masks who are the scary, scary terrorists. And I wonder... If we're going to have some kind of a false flag and the narrative is going to be something like, uh, you know, somebody just got really fed up with all these vaccine mandates. Somebody was being forced out of their job and forced out of their apartment and their their life was being ruined by the vaccine mandate. And they got so angry that they went and started shooting in a public place. 
like a vaccine center, for example. I mean, that that's kind of the natural false flag that we expect. And it's really plausible because, you know, people are having their lives ruined. And if you ruin people's lives, you know, one or two of a thousand might snap and, and go berserk. So I, I'm just kind of expecting that every day when I, I look at the news. How about you? Um. Well, on the one hand, one does not want to manifest that by thinking those thoughts. But at the same time, I don't want to be an ostrich with my head in the sand. And as I said, you do the math. It just makes total sense because that's their power grab. Um, they've been really going to town with the Capitol protesters and the rally this weekend. Um, I saw Roger Stone said, don't go. And um, they've been making it sound like. Well, not even making it sound like um, they re-put up the whole fence around the Capitol, just um, telegraphing um, vile messages that this is going to be a really dangerous event. And I know um, the event, one of the main event organizers, and um, she is uh, not in the least um, having any kind of uh, thoughts of violence or that anything is going to happen because she knows that what she has done is peaceful. I personally don't think there's going to be a, a false flag at that Washington, D.C. event. What they're doing with it is using it for maximum scare tactics because they can. But I don't think it's going to happen there because they already have that narrative. It would be a waste of a false flag to do it there. That one's an airtight in the bag. Um, that's why I think on tomorrow, September 18th, when there's dozens of cities in the U.S. that are there for the picking, um, like going shopping almost, they can just choose which city are we going to uh, do our false flag in. And so I think we um, of the health freedom movement are far more susceptible to the potential of that happening. And I agree with you, Kevin, how um, you were talking about how people can just go postal. Um, it would be very easy. People are at their wits ends economically, health wise. Um, it, it has made people uh, on very short nerves. And so they if if they wanted to do it on purpose, it wouldn't take much stoking. Um, You'd hardly even have to use any MK Ultra tactics, you know, just a, few, a little nudge, probably, as Cass Sunstein exactly. would say. Yeah. Exactly. And we do know that um, uh, many of the telegram groups where people um, meet and organize for these rallies, among other things in their cities, um, are being um, infiltrated. We are in the midst of COINTELPRO 2.0, and um, it's very difficult because the left, um, for all its faults, they were very astute about the government. And once they finally learned about COINTELPRO, they, um, they really had their antenna up, continue to. Um, the left has many things that this health freedom movement does not have. The health freedom movement came out of um, maybe the, you could say the holistic health movement and the parents who were concerned about vaccines. That's probably the roots of the original health movement, um, health freedom. I come from the truth movement. So I see the health freedom movement is a continuation of the truth movement, perhaps a truth movement 2.0. And it's just ironic that 
the first move, the big movement I was in, truth, and this one about freedom, why would those be so bad in this Orwellian world that we have? <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Well, maybe you can elaborate a little bit on how the health freedom movement is the truth movement 2.0. Well, the problem that has happened with the left, I was a longtime leftist activist um, most of my adult life, and that demographic has been almost entirely taken out. I have my theories about it. I actually think that fourth-gen mind control weaponry has been used against the entire demographic. Um, that would go into some science that they're um, experimenting with. But there's a lot of fourth-generation weaponry being used. And um, surely 20 years from now, when we find out their mind control fourth-gen weaponry, it will all make sense. But the left used to be the ones who rose up against the establishment. They were always anti-establishment, anti-war. They were for the environment. Um, they did work around racism and feminism. And now it's just all flipped. And they are in bed with the FBI. The whole Russiagate narrative was dependent on supporting FBI investigations um, in terms of racism and feminism, which I was very involved in in the 90s, it has now been warped and weaponized in a way that's not even understandable. Black Lives Matter is completely uh, tied at the hip economically to big corporations. Um, the whole climate movement is basically funded and directed by the very corporations that um, the environment supposedly are opposed to. They're all in bed now. So we no longer have all of the resources uh, I feel I no longer have when I'm doing activism, the resources of the left. Um, just crack grassroots organizing, movement lawyers to help the poor um, capital protesters. Um, those political prisoners hardly have any lawyers at all. Where's the guild, the NLG? Um, the, the whole leftist um, contingent would have... Um, um, knowledge, historical knowledge and understanding from Sacco and Vanzetti on um, the whole history of activism uh, against the state. And then um, the leftists also have um, just uh, real strong, let's get out and um, create activism, create big mass demos. So I'm a leftist who left the left, and I'm finding there's not much left in where I landed. And where I landed is a very heterogeneous group of um, dissidents. And that would include everything from um, Trumpers, obviously, the so-called deplorables, which I prefer to call uh, proto-yellow vests. Um, you've got Republican conservatives, um, just general people who have woken up and are not in agreement with the Biden administration, which the entire left is completely um, in lockstep with. Um, you've got Christians, Amish. So it's a very uh, mixed group of people. And the government wants to paint them as all uh, with one brushstroke right-wing extremists. And it's just not true at all. But if they can get a false flag, 
And if they can get one body, then they've got their narrative. And not only for whatever city that might happen in, it, uh, Charlottesville, they could use that very easily to um, smear the entire health freedom movement. And then we would be um, in the same boat as the political prisoners from January 6th. And I think that's what they're gunning for. It would also provide an excuse to bring in a much harsher package of vaccine mandates. And it sounds like, you know, they're, they're setting the stage for that with Biden getting angry and, and growling and, and, you know, making threatening noises about these terrible, terrible people who are not getting vaccinated. That kind of uh, scapegoating of a domestic uh, segment of, of the population is almost unprecedented. And as you said, they're already scapegoating the right-wing extremists and the January 6th protesters, but now they're also going after the so-called anti-vaxxers. And you're right, a false flag could really change things. And, and one thing it could change would be it could provide the political capital for jumping on the solution to the problem, which is like rounding them all up and vaccinating them immediately and that, you know, that'll so solve our COVID problem. That'll solve our terrorism problem. You know, I can just kind of see how they would be seeing it that way. And I can see the parallel that you drew here with the truth movement, which is mainly the 9-11 truth movement, which brought false flag awareness uh, to a broad public. Nobody had ever heard of the term false flag before 9-11, except for people who studied them in military academies. And now everybody knows what a false flag is. And so I, I guess that's one parallel. How about the info activism parallel? 9-11 truth is mostly about info activism. It's not so much people getting out on the streets and uh, garnering mainstream headlines just to give us a sort of a message about public sentiment against a war or against racism or what have you. But it's about turning people on to information that they otherwise might not know about. Hey, have you heard about Building 7? You know, get a load of this. And, and with the uh, health freedom movement, I wonder to what extent it's also basically an info activist movement, because I know when I look online at these alternative sources around uh, health freedom, such as the uh, you know, RFK uh, juniors group and, and things like that, there is a lot of kind of alternative information that does make one question aspects of the official COVID narrative. Of course, it never seems to go all the way and, and say, look, COVID was almost certainly a neocon false flag uh, attack on China. But, you know, sh short of that, it, it does, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, information being put out there. So I, I'm wondering if, if you see a parallel there, like both uh, the truth movement and the health freedom movement have a, a huge sort of info activism component. Um, yes and no. On the one hand, when um, whatever opens people up and they come to us, it's more a a sense of solidarity and oh i'm not the only one who thinks that because um it's kind of clear that something bizarre has happened with the entire left liberal left um and people who buy into the whole pandemic narrative it's almost uh, a lot of people are talking about a psych psychosis, uh, hypnosis that has taken place because rational thought has no bearing. It, On the one hand, yes, we're sharing information because when you talk, that's what happens. But I would say that our movement is more about 
sharing solidarity with those who have not succumbed to the um, hypnotic, psychotic pull of who knows what. That's why I think there's some kind of strange weaponry out there. And I have um, come to believe that there are some hallmarks of, well, why haven't I had that pull, especially since I had long roots in the left? How is it that some people are lost in this hypnotic uh, belief and are not even thinking um, rationally um, with their prefrontal cortex? Because what I'm seeing in this movement, if that I said was heterogenic, um, all different manner of groups and peoples, um, lots of people of color, lots of African-Americans. They have a very high um, non-vaccination uh, rate, about 70% right now, and they don't really want to uh, be vaccinated. And so some of the hallmarks of why us and why aren't we like the left, what differentiates us? And so... Um, I think a lot of it has to do with common sense, the ability to listen to your own common sense, um, conscious intuition. And um, I'm, this is all just kitchen table psychology because uh, I haven't really studied it. But there are more and more people studying this, especially because um, in the UK, they definitely trotted out um, psychological uh um, analyst who did behavior modification techniques nationwide. So we know they're doing things on them. So why is this whole health freedom motley array of people? I think part of the problem is, um, this is a stereotype, but part of the problem is the liberal left are by and large the educated classes and the more deplorables. I, I don't really like using that word, but the there's not even a word for it because we're such a mixed array and it's not even about health freedom. I will would like to go into that next. This whole COVID thing is just um, a, a distraction from um, what they're really trying to do. And the, 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 the group of health freedom activists by and large tend to think for themselves. Propaganda does not bring us together. So propaganda is a form of information sharing. Um, propaganda isn't all negative. Um, it's to get people into your movement. Um, but the, we're finding the people who come to us are not um, are not necessary. They thought for themselves and they came. It's not because we convinced them, and it's not like we're trying to convince liberal lefts. You can only convinced so far at this point. It's, it's become very clear that um, there's, uh, there's, there's uh, a, a bridge too far that is just not crossing over. Some other hallmarks of this group of people that I've seen um, being active in this movement fairly recently, but being very active, there's a very strong sense of spirituality. So I don't care if you are... Um, Muslim, uh, Jewish, Christian, um, Buddhist, uh, Taoist, or believe in Grandmother Spider Woman, there is a sense of spiritual connection um, that I believe has been eviscerated from the left by and large, probably, as you have said in the past, I've heard you say, Kevin, um, secular humanism is their faith. But when you have a... Uh, divine connection 
that's your higher authority, they don't like that because they want their science and their secular humanist to be the highest authority. It's a it's a man-made authority, which they think they're going to be able to achieve through their transhumanist technology to create the to, to create this technocracy. And I would say the vast majority of people that I'm working with um, and the people we're interacting with see through the the screens, the machine, uh, the the false scientific white lab coat experts, and are people of the earth. Many work with the earth, contractors, landscapers, not as much on screens, not as educated. It seems the more educated, the more the PhD, the more they buy into this hypnotic trance. I don't know how else to say it. Hey, as a PhD, I resent that. Yeah. (laughs) But unfortunately, you're right. (laughs) You asked about information. You would think the PhDs in the room would be most receptive to information. But no. Yeah, and so I'm I'm thinking of of course in both realms there's information, but I would put forth that it's um, we're all operating at this point almost emotionally, and I believe that more people in our movement, the health freedom movement, don't have the level of inculcated uh, fear that somehow the whole liberal left has has just incorporated, sucked in, and believe. Um, I think it has to do with the connection to their own God, their own um, um, common sense and, and sense of self-intuition, and a closer connection to the earth because they're not as machine screen uh, dependent. Well, that's a really interesting perspective. I think you're right. I think that health freedom uh, in this particular society is going to attract people who are a part of probably the majority of humanity that have always seen health as a spiritual issue. There are, of course, religious aspects. There are, are spiritual aspects in which it's clear that our our mind and body, spirit and soul are all interconnected and that the healthy functioning of the physical body is related to the spiritual factors and the state of mind and psychology and spirituality and such. That's all been pretty obvious to almost all people in all cultures throughout history. But now we have this mechanistic paradigm in a secular materialistic culture that says your body is just a machine. And so I can see why there's a rebellion against that and why many people who who recognize that aspect of health are joining the health freedom movement to push back against the the machine and get a little breathing space. Well, we just got a call in. I I should have warned you, Kat, that we have uh, Rolf Lindgren calling in. He's a supporter of the uh, freedom rallies and also i believe of the uh, free the january 6th uh, prisoners uh, so uh, rolf uh, are you organizing a worldwide rally for freedom in madison wisconsin tomorrow because if so i might consider coming after broadcasting false flag weekly news okay, okay. i'm i'm not organizing it there's a there's a witch hunt with the january 6th victims there's there, today is constitution day Tomorrow, uh, there's an event. I'm going to an event in Muskego for Constitution Day. So cool. that's what I'm doing tomorrow. Okay. So, I, so you're, talk, you're talking, talking to Kat, Kat McGuire is organizing the New York branch of the Worldwide Rally for Freedom. Uh, Kat, how many cities are in the world? Did you say 80 cities or something? 180. 180. Was, um, 
for our wow. last one. Yeah, 180. Incredible. Yeah. So, so you know, Rolf, you're a Republican Party activist. And, you know, 25, 30 years ago, I would have said you were crazy and, it, you know, you're on the side of the authoritarians. Well, I still think you're crazy, but at least you're not on the side of the authoritarians now. The Republicans are, are pushing back against this a lot more than the Democrats are. What's, what's that about? Well, the Democrats aren't pushing back at all. The Democrats are pushing for the, the mask mandates and the vaccine mandates. And like I said, I'm, I'm actually in favor of taking a vaccine, but it's, it's, it should be up to people and their doctors. You should, you're not supposed to decide what drugs to take based on what's on TV. Otherwise, everybody in the country would be on Viagra right now. <laughs> well, half of them probably right? are. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, um, may I comment to that? Yeah, go ahead, Kat. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, actually, I don't think you can trust your doctors. The doctors are part of a whole medical industrial complex where the medical journals are all completely bought off by big pharma, such that even articles have shown after the fact to be big hoaxes. There were two hydroxychloroquine articles were in, I think, the Lancet and the Journal of New England Medicine, and they were completely false, but they were forced to run, and the editors said um, that they thought it was a crime, that it was criminal but they could do nothing about it. So that's the kind of the intellectual feeding into the whole doctor system. The hospitals are all bought in. They got for every ventilator that somebody died on, they got paid like $38,000. So they have vested interests to go along with the medical industrial complex. So that all trickles down. Most doctors are all in corporate situations now. You don't really have family doctors, so they're all aligned with these corporate hierarchical entities. And so a lot of people just choose to be willfully ignorant um, or their their careers are at risk. They can't speak out. And many of them just um, accept like a, an intellectual IV drip, whatever is filtered down from the, the journals where the thoughts are um, um, ideated um, from World Health Organizations. So the whole system is uh, pretty riddled, and you can't really trust your doctor at all, unfortunately. Okay. Well, I mean, some people have, I, I know people get a lot of bad advice from their doctors, but still better than like using TV commercials to decide what to what to take. Um, I, did, I was just in, I just got sick and I got better. The doctors got me better. I had a bad case of pneumonia, not COVID, but a, a bacteria a couple of months ago, and I got better pretty fast. So the doctors did a really good job with me, um, but maybe, you know, maybe some doctors get bad at it, but it's up to you to decide what you want to do. It's not up to the government. You know, the government can't force you to go to your doctor and do what the doctor says. You just, you can decide, people have to decide this for themselves. That's what the free society is supposed to be about. Well, that's the big problem because you said it's it's either your doctor or TV. Um, no, it's not necessarily. Um, it, it, what's on TV now is being highly censored, so the doctors are not hearing um, second opinions and third and fourth opinion. When you're doing something as important as putting in an experimental drug into your body because it's never been tested, you need to have second and third opinions. And there are many have of been, them. Haven't have been like a billion people taken the vaccine by now? That so it's not been it tested? That, no. You I know, but you said, it, you said it's never been tested, though. I mean, a billion people have taken it. 
that's a live laboratory test and testing goes on for at least seven years for a vaccine to be released. So anyone. And that's why things cost so damn much because you, because they have to test it for so damn long that that's why everything costs so much. You're willing to risk your own body to have a cheaper vaccine. No, the problem is, is that this is a live laboratory experiment on humanity that has never been done in the history of humanity. And not only are they doing a live lab experiment, but they're also doing a kind of, well, they call it vaccine. You really can't even call it that. It's an injection of gene therapy that has never been put into humans ever and this, not only are they putting it in humans, but they're doing it in a live, open laboratory experiment. And just well, then don't take it. Then don't take it, then, if you don't want it. Well, that's the problem. What, a lot you, of people are going to start another. So you're going to start another war on drugs. Anybody who has a vaccine is going to be rounded up. Like, like if you have marijuana or some other drug that's not then, approved by the government, you're going to round people up and arrest people. Like, like with with other well, things, like alcohol prohibition, bring that back. I mean, what are you, what's your, what's, what exactly are you, are you going after? Well, that's the problem is that they're saying that anyone who does not want that experimental toxic injection, you now have your life very, um, attenuated. You can't go to a restaurant. Children can't go to school. People are losing their jobs. Why this, can't you go to a restaurant? What does that have to do? Where, I mean, well, I can they, go to they a make restaurant. you show your vaccine card. In my case, though, I got into restaurants. I, I got into restaurants in San Francisco well, showing the vaccine yet. parity card. Um, We're the testing ground, Rolf. It's starting with us. Don't think you're going to remain immune in the heartland there. We're like the guinea pigs in the U.S. New York City is. And so goes New York. Just watch goes the rest of the world. And so they have forced us to, starting Monday, um, September 13th, all children have to be vaccinated. And there are actual vans outside the schools. And they don't really have to be vaccinated, but the pressure level is so high, you have to sit in a completely different room by yourself. Um, They're making it pretty much untenable um, if you're not vaccinated to continue well, this is, that's a demo that's a democrats controlled state so i mean i mean that i don't you know i wouldn't live in new york i mean then move out of the state that's what i would do i wouldn't well, live there if, i don't i don't think you understand that this is happening at the federal level it's trickling out and fortunately you said it was in the state you said it was in new york it's it's, if it's, it's a federal issue it would be everybody didn't you hear, didn't you hear what Biden oh, yeah by yeah, I heard what he's doing. That's right, ridiculous. So That's ridiculous. I agree. That mandates are mandates are ridiculous. I'm against the mandate. I agree. I am too. That's what. That's our freedom rally. They're probably they're probably not they're probably not constitutional anyway. I mean, they're going to be they're going to go into the courts. Well, you've seen what the courts have done with that election when Trump, who I don't support, but he did win by a landslide. I am convinced of it, having studied it deeply, and. The courts are all corrupted, and they've thrown out, every time they've gone in, they've thrown it out on procedural grounds, not the merits. Our courts all the way up to... We've won a lot of court cases lately. We've won a Uh, lot of court cases lately, more than we've lost. But they're lower courts. So I'm hoping, yes, we are doing it. um, In Germany, um, Reiner Fulmich is actually suing the World Health Organization. So we have our courts, but we have to remember they're highly corrupt when you consider Supreme Court Justice John Roberts 
Um, his two children, his two adopted children came to him through Jeffrey Epstein. So we're talking corruption at the highest levels, and it filters all the way through. So, yes, we'll try the courts. Yes, we'll try protesting. Yes, we will try um, strikes. We will try everything. But the power of the state is very much coming uh, down in the favor of mandates and um, if you look at Australia, Canada, and New Zealand, and England, the other four, five eyes countries, um, I, I don't think we're too far away from that if more people don't wake up. Okay, so let me ask you a question then. Okay, so we've got, in the United States, what, 150 million people or so have taken the vaccine, right? I don't know if I believe those. I don't know if I believe those okay, numbers. Well, I think they're exaggerated, okay. but nonetheless. What, so what about a life insurance company? Would, would a life insurance company lose a lot of money if they sold insurance to people that have been vaccinated? Well, it, that's an interesting question because one would think, well, what is all this doing for the insu health insurance business? And um, I was listening. No, I'm to talking about life insurance business. What about life insurance, though? Well, health, life, the insurance business. Um, I listened to um, some people who are in the business talk about that, and also um, Dr. David Martin has investigated it, and he's um, he's investigated patents. There's been 4,000 patents um, on the COVID vaccine since 2000, so it's clearly a monetary venture more than anything. But back to the health. Um, in oh, the I, I, I agree with that. I agree with there's monetary. I mean, obviously, when they never talk about natural immunity, they always want you to get a vaccine. I, I get that. But right. the, so the, the, the underlying issue is is how how good or bad is the vaccine? If, if the oh. vaccine is really bad for you, then then an insurance company would never sell. They would have a policy that says you can't you, we won't sell life insurance to anyone who's been vaccinated if, if they're actually that is dangerous, as you say. Well, um, a, court, a couple months ago, I listened to a lecture from um, health insurance professionals and also Dr. David Martin. And their industry has not um, um, had, like the airline industry has just had the bottom fallout, the, the uproar, um, all kinds of uh, chaos. The insurance industry, health and life insurance industry, has not had um, any kind of chaos happen within its industry. Everything's just going fine. Well, it's just, so, I mean, the whole thing is so screwed up with health. Okay, but, okay, so get, if you want to take, you keep switching back to, to health insurance, but, Okay, let's say that you're selling health insurance. Is if someone's vaccinated, should they have to pay higher uh, premiums for health insurance or lower oh, premiums? Good question. Good question. Um, if we can see um, one precedent, uh, Delta Airlines has made all of their unvaccinated employees pay $200 extra a month for insurance. There's all manner of segregation, medical segregation, medical fines of. Um, what they're um, making people who are unvaccinated a second class that has more costs, more um, um, security issues, um, more um, uh, that, that doesn't support that doesn't support your argument that the vaccine is bad for you. If they have to pay more if you're unvaccinated, that would support the argument that the vaccine is good for you, not bad for you. No, no, not at all. They're just using this toxic injection to be able to, if pe enough people believe it, to be able to make laws that don't make any sense. If this vaccine were really good for you, then why do you care if I'm unvaccinated? It works, doesn't it? And if it doesn't work, then why? Well, do I don't. I don't. Well, I don't. I don't really care. I don't I really care if you take it. Generic. I mean, I took I took the vaccine vaccine back in March, and like I I haven't 
you know, key. I did get sick in when, July when with a, a bacteria. Yeah, when, when was that that you got sick? How long after the vaccination? Well, three, almost three months later. So, so that's exactly when you're, yeah, that's when you're supposed to be the most protected, but you didn't get COVID. They told so, you you got pneumonia, but I wonder if you well, were no, unvaccinated, if you'd been unvaccinated, COVID. would they have said that you just had pneumonia or would have they, would they have run more uh, cycles on the test and told you that you had COVID? Well, I didn't. I didn't have COVID. I mean, they wouldn't have let me have visitors if I had COVID. No, no, no. Wait, but what I'm saying, they wouldn't Rolf, have let me walk around in the hospital if I had COVID. Wait, wait. Well, right. You know? But, but, but I, as I understand it, they had a different protocol for running the number of cycles on those tests. Well, I took an antibiotic. I took antibiotics. That doesn't help a, a, against a virus. Are you telling me that they lied to me about what I had? Well, no. There's often comorbidities. I mean, I mean people, you know, people with COVID do well, get they, pneumonia. Well, the comorbidity is that, I, that I'm, I'm trying to lose weight. That's that's really the main, the root of the issue is that I, I just need to lose some weight. I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I guess I, I could be worse, but it's always it's better to. I mean, I weigh a lot more than I did when I was in high school. Put it that way. Yeah, so most of it. Most of I could lose some weight. Seventy yeah. yeah. percent so, of the people who have died of COVID are obese or have weight problems. So there are these yeah. comorbidities that they downplay. Extremely. But that's with, with any. That's with true with any all kinds of diseases, not just with COVID. Well, they're constantly people with saying high blood pressure, blood. diabetes. There's all kinds of things, heart attacks. You can get all that stuff when you're overweight. But at so. least they'll say what people are actually getting that they're they're getting diabetes. The, the COVID numbers are all jiggered. And I just have to go back to if they're not um, letting us in places, why? If if somebody has a vaccine and it works, what do, what do they care if I don't? And that's the crux of the hoax right well, it there. Works, it works. It, it's, a, it's a statistical thing. You're better off with the vaccine. It doesn't mean it works every time. A lot of well, things, if you lose weight, that's statistically – you're going to be in better health, but that doesn't mean you're not going to die from a heart attack Rolf, or, or something Rolf, or have a stroke. Rolf, there's a, a statistical argument. Rolf, there's a 99.7 survival rate. You do not. So, so are you? Are you? Are you? Are you fighting for the freedom of people to do what they want? Or are you just a person who wants to attack vaccines? I guess that's what oh, I'm that's wondering. That's a very good question because Kevin called us anti-vaxxers, and that's a, an important question. Um, most people are not anti-vaxxers, therefore safe and efficient and well-tested vaccines. So that's one. But the bigger picture really is not even about vaccines. That's just the mechanism because everyone has skin in the game. You can use that as a platform, if you will. Um, the vaccine becomes a platform in order to um, move in your um, your security state, they're collecting through the contact tracing and all the vaccination. They're collecting high levels of data because they want they're, – they're, we're in the midst of a global coup d'etat. Well, I, be, I believe that. They're collecting lots of data on people. That's that's true. Right. So that, this is that, the that, but that's a different issue than whether a vaccine works or not. I mean, no, what, about, what about yeah. vaccines for polio? Do those work? What about it's those vaccines? What about oranges. it's completely apples and oranges? Well, so, va- so you're only against certain vaccines then. I'm you're against, not against all vaccines. I'm against um, drugs that have not gone through the normal FDA-approved 
testing and the FDA. What about when George Washington gave vaccines in, in the Revolutionary War? Those hadn't been approved by the FDA. Yeah, you're talking apples and oranges. This is totally different. I am talking well, there's about an, if there's an emergency, they're not going to have a chance. If there's an emergency, how are you going to do a seven-year longitudinal study on something when when the, the supposed when the, the, emergency is just a means to get everybody injected because then they're all on and needing these boosters because they've even proven that the vaccine wears off and that's the booster. Well, the, 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 the reason for the the reason it happened was because they wanted to to get rid of Trump. The vac the, the virus was created in China to to get rid of Trump. No, it took it away not. Trump's it rallies. It took it took oh. away Trump's rallies. It let Joe Biden not have to do rallies. It took away stop the Durham investigation for a year. It also this took away the economy. It, your your understanding is very narrow. This is much bigger than Trump. Not narrow. Biden. This, it, this there's not many things bigger than Trump. It, it's Trump is the is, is this well, isn't about you, Trump. Or so the new world order, the new world order doesn't doesn't want Trump because that's a there's a right now the new world order may be crushed and may not even exist in ten years. If Trump gets reelected and then is able to hand it off to say DeSantis or Donald Trump Jr. This, the new world order won't even or maybe exist Jared, in Jared the next Kushner? ten years from now. Oh God, not <laughs> probably not Jared Kushner. He's more of a Democrat. But Jared Kushner did a good job. Uh, on the First Step Act, getting the prison sentences reduced, oh, getting the war on drugs. Yeah, he, he got, saw he solved the Middle East problem too, Ralph. Yeah. Did you know that the, the, the and, and when Pompeo when Pompeo and Bolton in, uh, sent sent COVID to Wuhan and unleashed this pandemic, the, that that was biggest, on Donald Trump's biggest, watch. That was Donald Trump's administration that created COVID by a bioattack in the United States occurred under Trump. From 190,000 federal prisoners to 150,000, and that's mostly because of the First Step Act, which was pushed through Congress by Jared Kushner. Okay, so so Ralph, we only have, we have two, we have two minutes left, and Kat is the guest here. So Kat, you, you have two so you minutes. Get, to so you guys are drug, you guys are for the drug war then. Okay, I guess you are because you don't like you want to have a war on drug against vaccines too, right? Your whole um, explanation of what this is is so warped and skewed. It's even hard to have it's a. Not, it's a not. It's not warped. You haven't Rolf, answered my let, question let, about Rolf, life let, insurance let yet. Well, I want to know. I want to know what happens with life insurance if someone someone's vaccinated. Listen, Rolf. Uh, we only yeah. have one minute left, and Kat's the guest. Give her the last minute here. Okay, go ahead, Kat. Okay. I would like to say that the entire um, pandemic and this toxic injection are just a mechanism to get everybody um, literally enrolled technologically because that gene therapy injection is technological. And if they can get everyone on board, then for one, they're going to be doing booster shots over and over and humans become ATM machines for big karma. But worse than that, when they get everyone on the technological grid and the vaccine is a mechanism for doing that, both ideologically and physically, then they can move us more and more into whole other social credit monetary systems because we're already bought in to their uh, technocratic control and the vaccine is the mechanism to do it. There's no there's no pandemic. This has all been sold and we are all this is we are the battlefield. Each individual is the battlefield and the shot is the vaccine shot, not a bullet. And that's what they're doing. And all people can see is this narrow thing that it's all about the vaccines. That's just you better, we better you better hope that Trump wins. Then. Okay. That's all I can tell you. Yeah, well, it, yeah. Yeah. 
Ron Johnson and, and these other Wisconsin Republicans are actually the, the ones supporting health freedom, surprisingly. And Rolf, you're on their team. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kat McGuire. Uh, very good stuff. Can't wait to see how the worldwide rally for freedom goes in New York City and the other 180 cities around the world. Congratulations on your great work. Great. Thanks, Kevin. Okay. And we'll be back with Jim Fetzer in the next hour. And I guess, Rolf, you're going to call in and talk to Jim, too. So that'll be interesting. We're talking about how Jim and I actually did have COVID-19, which he thinks may or may not exist. So stick around. We'll be right back.